With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted. I'm not Dave. He and Carl couldn't get their schedules together and this is, well, what's happening. But Dave will probably, well, he's already done a bit on the um, his daily red show and he'll probably do a bit more uh, deeper dive on it tomorrow uh, afternoon slash morning. So if you want to hear Dave, uh, Dave's voice and opinion on, on the IX game, check out today's and presumably tomorrow's show. But Carl... Liverpool are back. Yay. You sound thrilled about that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we just need some we need some Dutch royalty to pass so we get the game off. <laughs> That's probably how I'm looking at it. There is no Dutch royalty, is there? Um Yeah, I just can't be bothered. Um I said on AIP, um the main pod on Thursday, I just it's just nice having a break from Liverpool because I, I don't like I can take us losing, but the way we're playing at the men, you see, well, you you were basically apoplectic after the uh, Napoli game. You see lads walking about, and the goals we conceded is just lads. You could at least try. Yeah, that was very frustrating. I think probably the most frustrating aspect of it for a lot of people. Um, we've all seen bad games, we've all seen bad performances and bad results, but I think it's probably fair to say that not so many of them in a row as we have done. I'd still be a little bit concerned as well um, that pre-game press conference, it still sounds like Klopp and the coaches sort of felt like this result came out of nowhere and the performance was totally unexpected and all the rest of it. And absolutely not the case. You know, we've been talking about this for three and four shows in a row now that the performance level's not there even when we did pick up the win that in the games we failed to win it was all because of the same sort of stuff and we just got shown up completely by the first really good side we played against it was that simple and it was very very much coming so if they were not genuinely able to see that beforehand that would probably be my biggest concern at the moment well you said that's the first genuine good team we've played this season are we about to play the second in your opinion Uh, no question. Really, really good side. I mean, know how good we know how good Napoli were in the first game, of course, and we have mm-hmm. to temper it a little bit by acknowledging that it was against Rangers. But 
in our group, match day one, Ajax were the best side. A mile. In terms of organisation, in terms of speed of play, in terms of combinations in the final third, they were far and away the best out of the quarter and obviously really only out of the two because it was two good sides and two terrible ones. So um, Napoli were excellent, um, but I think that it was a little bit more, let's say, aggression and high intensity that we struggled to cope with and then a, a sprinkling of individual brilliance as well. Whereas the Ajax performance against our, uh, Rangers, I would say, is... 50-50 between individual excellence which Rangers players couldn't cope with and then the actual organisation and the movement and the structure of their build-up play and everything else which was just absolutely spot on when you consider how many changes Ajax have had to uh, cope with in the off-season not just transfers outgoing but obviously a change of manager as well and everything else this was a, a very very impressive start to the season for them six wins out of six can't really ask for more than that yeah and let's just for the for the listeners who aren't too familiar with Ajax, myself included, I've literally got this listed out. I'll go through um, some of the names that people have probably associated with Ajax for a long time now. Um, I'll talk through the departures and then go through who they brought in, and then you can uh, tell us how it fits together. Um, so all of all of these players were linked to Man United, and half of them went to Man United. But here we are: uh, Anthony Man United, eighty-five mil according to transfer market. Lissandra Martinez. Sebastian Haller Dortmund, a sad situation with him, obviously. Uh, Ryan Gravenberch to Bayern Munich. Uh, Pershers, who I think a lot of Liverpool fans fell in love with uh, all them years back when we played them, um, to Torino. Didn't seem he developed that well. Uh, Taglafico, the long term left back there, has moved on to Leon. Can't say that name. Um, youngster Mazzari on a free, Onana on a free, and then. Some lads I've only heard of because of football manager. Um, but nobody else seems too important to my eye. Um, and in terms of the people coming in, <clears throat> uh, Stephen Bergvine from Spurs we're all familiar with. Calvin Bassey, who really impressed um, at Rangers last year by all accounts, bought him for 20 mil. Um, Brian Bob uh, Broby, I almost said Bobby, um, they made him, well, rebat. They rebought him, didn't they? Um, after losing to Leipzig and then brought him back, which was an odd deal. Um, Owen Vindal, Windal, um, left back, brought him in. Uh, Kaplan, Contisau, uh, George Sanchez, Lucas Acampos, Lorenzo Luca, Florian Girilic, and I think the rest of them are just youngsters. Um, so a lot of turnaround there, Carl. Obviously, you'll be familiar with some of them players, but we all know some of them as well. But can you tell me more about the manager? Because that isn't the only transition um, they've had there. He was, I can't remember his name, but he's, it was, he was he was at Bruges, wasn't he? And how, how does he compare to um, Ten Hag? Um, well, I mean, stylistically, there's obviously a little bit of an overlap because when you come into Ajax, you have to play a certain way and they expect a certain type of build-up and that's why they appoint those managers, obviously. Um, in terms of... Uh, as should we say, career path as well. You can say there's a, a little bit of an overlap. I mean, this guy has basically been an assistant everywhere up until a few years ago. Um, he, he worked at Twente, he worked at Vitesse, he worked with, I think, um, uh, God, I've completely forgotten his name now, Ronald Koeman as well. He worked with Nagelsmann. Um, so he was an assistant like at a whole bunch of places, Hoffenheim and Twente and Ajax as well, obviously. Um, when he first 
took over a manager job. I don't think it went too well at 20, but I don't really remember anything about that period. That was a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was obviously Hoffenheim as boss and then Club Bruges as boss, like you say. And he did, by all accounts, do pretty well with Club Bruges. And now he's come to Ajax. Uh, Alfred Schroeder, I'm not sure if I actually said his name there at the beginning or not, but it's you didn't, I, anyway. I, I Googled no. it. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's obviously made a very, very good start. Like I said, six straight wins uh, domestically. But the performance level, I think, is is the the more surprising thing here when I when you consider how cohesive they've already been uh, early on in the season and the really big turnover that you've just talked about as well in terms of the players and the transfers that they've made. I think that's the most impressive thing. It's been very very four three three. Ajax obviously would switch last year between sort of four three three and a little bit of four two three one at times, depending on who was playing. Um, only seen them play four three three so far, so whether they or not they do or have changed up domestically, I'm not really sure because I've not seen obviously all of their games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game, but that's the only one I've got open with. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Um, I mean, the Rangers one I really is think the the first let's say guideline obviously performance in terms of the the season overall because at the start of the season they haven't had too many really difficult games. They got AZ coming up uh, in I think a week or two weeks. Uh, and then, obviously, after the international break, they're going to then play teams like uh, Napoli and I think Tess as well is some time before the, the 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 winter break, let's say as well. So a couple more testing games for them there, and the hopefully Liverpool as well. Mind, so maybe right? the Tess are fourteenth, so maybe not a test that one. Yeah, possibly not. Um, I think. We're just going to have to expect that they're going to basically try and play exactly the same way as they did mm. against Rangers because there's, let's face it, no real need to fear Liverpool at the moment. Um, Liverpool should be an awful lot better than they are and if they play very, very well, then yes, we can cause them trouble. But is there evidence at the moment to suggest that we're suddenly going to click and get back to how we were? Probably not. Even if we do try and do that, are we in a place where the mentality of the team is rock solid and if Ajax can actually make a fast start and score first even if we are trying to do things are we going to maintain that performance level again quite possibly not so I don't really think that there's anything other than Ajax go all out to try and play the best football they can the most attacking football they can really try and put us under pressure it'll be an interesting scenario if they do go ahead at uh, Anfield obviously it's um an interesting time, let's say, at the moment for Liverpool. We're not obviously entirely sure how the crowd are going to react to that because we didn't get the opportunity to play at home at the weekend. Um, this is an unusual situation for for many, many reasons. And uh, Anfield under the lights might be a little bit different this time around. Yes. Uh, it'll be interesting because I think that didn't they cancel the UEFA anthem before games for the British teams or something? So I'm guessing minute silence and stuff it's going to be a rowdy atmosphere i imagine um for different reasons very different reasons but uh, we won't get into that um but someone in the chat has assured me there is dutch royalty so there is a chance the game could go get cancelled if anything happens um let's get into some of the ajax players who will scare us um at the weekend uh, at the weekend tomorrow i should say um, so this was the Rangers lineup. Uh, pass for your in goal. Wrench, I'm going to go with at right back. Timber, Bassi, centre back. Blind at left back. We all know Daily Blind. Uh, Edson Alvarez, uh, Bergis or Berghaus? I can't remember pronounce his name. Taylor in midfield with with them too. Uh, Bergvine, Kudus, and Tadic. Um, let's start with the attacking lineup, attacking side of that. 
um, lineup, Carl. I mean, Bergvine obviously going straight into the team. We all we remember him being the exciting talent at uh, PSV, and we all know Tadic from his time at Southampton and then the um, Champions League running. He was obviously excellent, but Kudu's playing as a false nine. He was seemingly going to Everton, and I mean, he's, I think he scored a couple against Herenveen. Scored in this game. What what's happened there? That they're just not fancy replacing um, Haller and just give him the run, or, or is someone injured or something? Right. First of all, he was never going to Everton because Everton decided to offer fifteen million pounds for him, which would buy you maybe his shoelaces. That's about it. Mohamed um, Kous is one of the most exciting young players in Europe, and he has started this season mm. in incredible form. Really, really good against Rangers. If anybody didn't see it. It, oh, goodness me, I don't really know how to describe it without scaring people, but if we thought Creature uh, last week was... Yeah, if Creature if, uh, if was the the one to watch last week, this guy was just sensational. He was absolutely off the charts. Rangers couldn't get near him, uh, considering obviously the age and the stature of him. He's a, a stocky young player, but he's not massive, obviously. He's not really, really tall or anything like that, and they could not get near him. Couldn't get a touch on the ball. He was turning away from people, shoulder barging them off the ball. He's got the pace and the skill to get past them. He scored. He got an assist. He didn't misplace a single pass. I mean, that is just outrageous. In Champions League, for a centre-forward, for someone who was involved as much as he was, an absolute nonsense. Um, Really, really happy to obviously... From his midfield days, you'll notice him uh, driving forward into space from deep and he'll come into the wide areas to pick up the ball. Like I say, loves to run at people as well. Left foot is absolutely unbelievable. Crossfield passes, one-twos, anything at all. His movement is so, so clever. So still obviously going to be a, a little bit of inconsistency, I suppose. At 22 years old, he's not like a you know really young teenager or anything like that now, but he, he does still have probably a little bit to learn in terms of when the game is not all flowing through him. Uh, he can play all the way across the, the forward line, to be honest, whether it's in off the sides or, or false nine. They don't really have another nine other than Brian Brobby, who you mentioned they they brought mm. back. So it's not like they've maybe put him in instead of other people. But I think just the fact that they have so many players who can play multiple positions. I mean, Tadic obviously was the number nine when we played them a couple of years ago, if you remember. He's now playing yeah. a little bit more off to the side again. Berghuis could play in the front line if he needs to, um, even in midfield. We'll get there in a minute, but Edson Alvarez now playing that holder midfield um, role absolutely superbly, whereas he was sort of in between centre-back and centre-mid before. He looks really, really assured there now, gives them good flexibility to drop into a three out of possession if they need it. Uh, and right at the base of that, we've seen Ajax, I mean, you mentioned Persures, they've always had like one young player and one maybe more experienced player in the centre-back partnership, but they've got Durian, Timber and Bassi now, 21 and 22, and they look rock solid, to be honest. Um, you would expect that there would maybe be a little bit of positional uncertainty sometimes, maybe, and they're obviously building the partnership as well because they are both young players, but at the moment, pretty good so far, and they've both got like decent athleticism and pace, which helps them recovery-wise, obviously, in open play. Um, Calvin Bassey obviously signed big money from Rangers and I have to say he absolutely annihilated Rangers when they tried to go forward he was just unstoppable against them so very very difficult looking team to break down if Liverpool do not intend on having you know maybe a Lucas before kick off yeah any kind of midfield at all if they want (laughs) to give like 60 yards of space to anybody in the centre of the circle uh, centre circle again then that's probably going to be a problem Basically just a queue of lads trying to uh, go around for being your at will. Uh, like a penalty shootout at like a, a school fair. 
<laughs> one of the one uh, of the old um, North American soccer league games where if it was a draw, you know, you, 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 the oh, plan for yeah. them was to run in from thirty five oh, yards sorry. and beat the keeper. That's basically what it'll be like. Uh, can't be bothered. <laughs> can't be bothered though. Be uh, other yes, other players to talk about. Other players, Kenneth- Bergwijn, I think is worth a, a mention. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Kenneth Taylor as well. Um, yeah, Bergwijn. <laughs> Bergwijn worth a mention because he has basically obviously gone back to the area of his and we look at it as being a you know, second-tier league maybe, but he has absolutely hit the ground running there. Six goals in six games. He got obviously a goal against Rangers as well, so he is ridiculously in form in terms of his end product, um, which we saw with Spurs, to be honest. He didn't always get the start, but a lot of the time he would see him coming off the bench late in games and having a bit of an impact for him. Um, I, I like Bergwijn. I mean, he's a little bit below yeah, elite yeah. level, isn't he? But he's he's mm. he's quite quick without being absolutely rapid. I think he's a really good signer for them, obviously. And the other one who we have, we've not spoken about, and I assume he won't start, but Lucas Ocampos. How they've been able to just go and get him on loan in the last days of the window with absolutely no competition is just ridiculous. Um, I wouldn't be loving the fact that if our fullbacks continue being as not good as our fullbacks have been this season, that late on in the game it's someone as aggressive, as strong, as quick, as two-footed, and as happy to shoot from anywhere on the pitch as our Campos is coming on to face them. Well, at least it'll be Simicas who's shown more than Robbo. He has, but that's not no, really a not high bit, bar, yeah, is it? That's not, but it's a well, it's not really a positive another injury, but. Kind of forces up hand at least, but we'll get to the Liverpool team. We'll get to the Liverpool team. Um, Taylor, then, is he more than just a funny name? Because I I know (laughs) of him by football manager, that's it, really. So I haven't actually seen too much of um, Kenneth Taylor, Dutchman Kenneth Taylor, just to be sure, because it it does sound like he's maybe moved to Canada or (laughs) something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I saw him in one of their earlier games this season and. He was like quite energetic. I think it was Sparta. I saw. Yeah, I think it was Sparta. And he was, like very energetic, and like he was basically that second or third midfielder who's a bit of control and a bit of ball winning, a bit of everything really. But he was just very neat and tidy on the ball. He didn't really, I wouldn't say, catch the eye because he was not involved hugely in the build up all the time. But he made sure that they got the ball back straight away all the time. So I was quite interested to watch him against Rangers because he'd be out of their starting eleven, the one that I knew least about by quite a distance. And he was immense. I mean, it was a real team-wide performance, but again, you're looking at someone who is really, really quick into the challenge, tactically in terms of picking up the spaces and stopping the passing lanes and everything else. Very, very diligent about his work. Um, On the ball, again, neat and tidy. I wouldn't say he was exceptional in in an eye-catching way, in the same way as maybe Kudus was, in the same way as... Um, Bergwijn was for example I think the only player who was not that good on the ball for Ajax was probably Tadic he had a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare first half to be honest with nothing quite came off for him but Taylor really liked the way that like when Alvarez was dropping deep between the centre-backs Taylor would filter in a little bit and Daley Blinds would then push forward and play kind of left third central midfielder as well so there was loads and loads of rotation there for Ajax in terms of their build-up play made it very, very difficult for Rangers to stay tracking their runners and stay in shape and all the rest of it because Ajax did not. They wouldn't conform to where you would normally expect them to be. Um, so that's definitely something we'll have to watch in terms of our midfield has not been 
stellar. Um, tracking and runners, not great for Liverpool this season. Again, that's something that we'll have to watch. David Klassen is maybe the only other one who could come into that midfield, but I expect it'll be as it was against Rangers. Yeah. Um, this isn't sounding great, and we'll get to the Liverpool perspective in a minute. Um, the centre-backs there, you mentioned they've kind of swapped from having an experienced head uh, and then just gone to two young lads. How did Leicester have Calvin Bassey on the books and lose him when they have zero centre-backs? Because I know it was out of free to um, Rangers, then they got 20 mil, and was it like one or two years, wasn't it? Um, How are Leicester that bad? I'm I'm turning the heat on Leicester because I don't want to talk about it. I think that's fair. There's always got to be someone below us, hasn't there? Someone doing something even worse than us. So, um, I I mean, I don't know. I mean, Leicester have had quite a string of centre-backs at the club who they think are good and I do not, and quite a string of centre-backs who they apparently don't rate and don't turn out to do too badly for themselves after departing. So, um, And then there's Leicester. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Where would you rather be anyway, bottom of the Premier League or in the Champions League doing pretty well? Because mm. he was he was linked with um, Brighton. Before. I think it was them, and I actually obviously had the bids that bids that accepted. If I remember correctly, and we know Brighton always um, scout players well and, and um, recruit well. But yeah, and twenty odd mil for an SPL player, and I think he had a, a bad debut in in preseason in the or maybe this version of the Super Cup. Uh, and but if he's taken it to like a duck to water, um, but Yuri and Timber, he was obviously linked to United and was the only one who didn't go to United. Um, is he going to be the next big Dutch centre back? I mean, we've seen obviously Delict still not like thirty year old, but we've got Van Dijk. Is he the one aiming to play next to Van Dijk in terms of their national team? Is he is he the possible to overtake, or is he one of these who might get shifted to like right back? I think I've seen him yeah. um, play there in the past. Yeah, he's played right back. Um, obviously, the Dutch national team have flitted over the last few years between back three and back four as well. So if they were having a back three day, then you could certainly see him slotting in as the, the right-sided one, for example. Right. Um, I mean, not just De Ligt as well, but still um, Stefan de Vrij is there and thereabouts as well. Nathan mm-hmm. Ake is still involved as well when he's fit. Um, so there's lots and lots of competition there. It's, it's pretty good selection opportunities that they have there uh, these days at centre-back after probably about a decade of absolute dross going through the, the lineup on a regular basis. So, Ron Vlaar. Mm, mm, Vla and uh, who was the Khalid Boularouz, was it, after a, a little while, was a, one of the go-tos Johnny across Heitinger. the back line? Yes, Johnny Heitinger. What could have been, what could have been, a one-time rampaging right back. Um, I like Timber. I'm not sure yet that we're quite ready to crown him, you know, Virgil's successor or even partner, to be honest, but he's developing nicely. He's certainly got loads of technique to his game. I'd like to watch him a few more times when he's put under pressure by a really, really good defence, especially as a partnership. Those two have only just started. So, like I said, if you go up against someone who's got really good midfield, uh, midfield, really good movement and then supply line from the midfield, maybe we see a bit of a, a different type of game from them but at the moment lots of their matches obviously is about recycling possession being really good against the counter-attacks um the athleticism that i mentioned before both of them have decent pace and strength and aerially calvin bassi at least is really good as well so they've been fine so far to defend against not sustained attacks but if, if liverpool were in really good form for example it would be interesting to see how they dealt with you know a diaz a a Darwin, that sort of thing. So hopefully we at least get a few examples of how they deal with that. 
Yeah, we'll come on to Liverpool. Just to fill out the, the um, Ajax team, um, a couple of players I'm not too familiar with. Wrench, I'll go with a right back. I've never heard that name in my life. Well, yeah, um, pretty much standard what you expect from a Ajax teenager uh, who's broken into the team. Um, technically really good. Right. Uh, fullback loves to get forward on the overlap. Um, I wouldn't say he's quite so much of a ball carrier as sometimes we've seen. He's much more of a a one-two player uh, and get himself into space and then try to either cutbacks or deliveries from, from semi-wide areas. I wouldn't say he's someone who'll hug the touchline and try and beat his man and whip in across from long sort of range. He's much more of a, a build-up player, I think. Um, not too big. So, I mean, you'd imagine someone like Diaz, for example, going up against him our left, their right. That might be something that we look at in terms of strength in terms of direct balls to to beat him in the air perhaps and coming on the on the blind side of him that we see Diaz do sometimes again this is something that relies on accurate delivery over to him in the first place which is another problem that we'll get to um but I I quite like what I've seen of him so far again this is not a a huge sample size that we've have um of wrench so far and not the type of attack you want to measure him up against you know it's a bit a bit Serginio Desti at the minute. He came into the side when they had a really good run of form. Lots and lots of attack-minded games, not huge volumes of defensive um, duties to fulfil at that time. And then it's obviously not gone quite according to plan for him since leaving Ajax. So I'd like to see a bit more of him first before we uh, crown wrench the new, um, I'd like to say better than Michael Reitziger, but we'll, we'll start there and see where we go. Yes. I know Dutch fullbacks. Um, <laughs> um, who else we got? Pass via. I was assuming he would be some young lad. He is thirty-eight year old from Vitesse. Um, <laughs> Definitely. And not his young. backup is his backup is Martin Stecklenburg. and another young. I, I presume young. Is he going to be forty-five or something? He is. He is young. Gort is young. Oh, let's not tell me twenty-two. That is young for a keeper. Um, did they just forget about goalkeeper, or did they just fancy going Edwin Van der Sar two point uh, I think they just, uh, you know, decided we'll, we'll stick with what we've got rather than have to invest everything in another season. Pasvir is, I think it's fair to say he's been waiting quite a long time for his really, really big chance. You know, he's been around, he looks like it, yeah. around the <laughs> leagues for a while. He was at PSV for a bit as well, so um, just a you know, fine addition for them last last year. And there he is; he's won his place, and he's still there. Oh, it's not a bad thing, I think, to have a. A few scattered older heads throughout that team. Like obviously, Blind has been the one for quite a long time now. But before that, they had Talia Fico as well, and a couple of the others. So when, once a few of them move on, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world to keep a few older heads as well. Yeah, very true. And being the goalkeeper for Ajax and the Eredivisie must be a pretty pretty easy life. To be fair, <laughs> well, he's not going to get too much of a bad back, is he? Not not just yet. That's, no. why, that's why he's able to keep no. going until he's uh, four hundred and twelve years old. I think the, the I only think... one we, we've not sort of touched on so, too much is um, Vindal, who you mentioned there as a uh, yes. summer arrival. He's out injured, so he's not going to be playing. Constizau is, I think, the only <clears> other <throat> one who's injured. But Vindal would be in and out at left-back. Obviously, he's the successor-in-chief, let's say, to uh, to Daily Blind whenever he decides to call it a day. Fair enough, fair enough. Shall we move on to Liverpool? We have to. Uh, that's it today, people. We're good. <laughs> um, oh God! I mean, let's start with the with the break. Obviously, it's well. It's been uh, six days since we played Napoli, or will be six days when we play. Um, 
who knows what's up with Liverpool? So, but I'll ask the question anyway. Do you think the break will do us any good? Because I'm sure they still prep to play Wolves, so I'm sure they won't get well a rest. Or do we need to whip these boys into shape as the old cliche saying goes? But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Is the break just a good thing for us, or is it not really going to make a difference? What do you reckon? I, I think honestly, this goes back to what I said at the start of the um, podcast. To be honest, it depends whether. Up and the coaches honestly thought we were in good shape before that Napoli game. If they thought that we'd been playing all right and little things hadn't gone our way, if they genuinely thought from the start of the season oh, we look ready for the you know for another hard year here, we, we've been playing really good. I assume they must do. Like they must be able to tell the difference between this year and last year because we all can. We can all see it right from day one. So they can't have fooled themselves. You can make. Um, you can build a case for it have happened, you know, over the everything that's been said, you know. If Tyler Morton, as we said in pre-season, genuinely looks like a top-class number eight, well, maybe that's because he's running and nobody else is on the training ground. So it's <laughs> it's these things, like, they annoy me to hear them because we we know they're not exactly true, you know. He's exaggerating or he's, he's using those words to praise what is undoubtedly a really good pre-season from a good young player. And yes, maybe he can be decent in the future but we know we watch them we can see the games and we see what performance levels are in and we can see that he is not going to be a top class number eight at this moment in time in the premier league and nor around normal top class number eights at this time in the premier league so we can see that against newcastle when we won the game and it's all very you know phenomenal and fantastic because of the way that we've won emotionally but actually footballingly it wasn't good against crystal palace when we didn't when it wasn't good against fulham it wasn't good the only decent game was Bournemouth, and that's because they were an absolute shambles. And the rest of it, that doesn't count. No, it doesn't. It doesn't count enough. That's for sure. Um, and I think to to suggest after any of the other games that we've had that you know we were on the right track or we were we were doing the right things and the result didn't go our way, you know, against Everton or the rest of it is is taking the piss. Quite honestly, we could see we were a million miles off, and we could see that's why we spoke about the Napoli game in the way that we did before kickoff. In the scouted, in the way that we were talking about the differences between our midfields, weren't playing anywhere near what we're capable of, and we weren't playing anywhere near good enough to actually win that game. There was no surprise about it at all, from not just from ourselves, but from most people that we spoke to. Even if they hadn't watched Napoli play, they'd watched Liverpool play. We knew what was coming. That game, whether it was against Napoli or whether it was against Chelsea next week that is supposed to be, or whether it was against some other side, it was coming because we had been playing really poorly. So is there going to be a, a, a reaction from Liverpool? Is there going to have been a week of whipping them into shape, like you say? That depends on what these coaches actually think behind closed doors, not what they're telling us in the press. Um, I, I cannot, for the life of me, believe that they genuinely thought going into that Napoli game, we're in good shape here. I just, I refuse to believe that because that's just ridiculous. So you would like to think that there will be a reaction just out of pride from the players, let alone what we do in training this week, because honestly, it was embarrassing at times how, how far off the pace and how far away they were. Like, even if you think back to the, some of the games that have been mentioned this week, like Aston Villa, the hammering that we took against Aston Villa, like they scored nearly every time they shot. Aston Villa had a, a one-off match mm. where they were absolutely perfect. They got a few deflections. We and also, them. yes, exactly. <laughs> but we also had like a few moments ourselves, and we scored a couple of goals, and we could have had a couple more. It was a little bit close at times before they got like four and five and whatever else. It could have gone either way still. 
There was never that moment against Napoli. Never. Not even when we'd scored one and then Diaz had that second header save. You still never thought, oh, we're nearly in this because we could have been five down at half time. We probably still would have been lucky to have that score. We were so, so bad. So there has to be a big reaction just on professionalism and pride principles. And then, I mean, what do we make of we need to reinvent ourselves? Is that we need to get back to what we did well beforehand? Is that we need a completely different game plan? Is that a different shape? Personally, I think we do need to have a different shape in midfield just to get ourselves back on that even footing and give ourselves a bit more protection. But I don't know. It it does depend a little bit on the amount of uh, loyalty and, and belief that Klopp shows in what has been this season a terrible group of players. Um, because we know that he does mm. linger over that kind of thing a little bit longer than some other managers would. Um, I don't think there would be too many supporters who would be up in arms if he just decided to crack the whip and replace like eight of them if we had that number of replacements available, but we probably don't. So it's got to be something else other than just personnel. Yeah, and that's the thing. I've got Premier injuries open um, in front of me. We'll just have a quick reminder of who's injured. Uh Oxlade Chamberlain probably won't play anyway. Navigator's not injured, but he's here anyway. Um, John Henderson out. Rob Hall's out, which we can't uh, mentioned earlier. Ebu's out. Who the hell is up? Cavallo's out. Uh, no, he's back. He's uh, Cavallo's back, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's got a. He, they've gone for his full Portuguese name here, and it's fantastic. Fabio Leandro Fretas Govela Cavallo. Magnificent. Right. He, he he picked the wrong names there. Um, he could have been Ballon d'Or hype-worthy if he picked them right. Uh, Curtis Jones seemingly re-got the same injury again, but he says it's not as serious this time, so I genuinely no idea when he'll be back. Uh, Kelliger, 50-50, and Calvin Ramsey doesn't exist. Um, yeah. Ah, God. You mentioned changing shape there. I would guess that would mean a two in midfield from you, because Klopp, we all know Klopp doesn't do three at the back, but Matip on the last minute back at, back in a few <laughs> years ago, it was the last minute substitute, but I'm guessing that would be a, a two-man midfield, whatever the hell, up front. But yeah, um, the 4 three, 3 I think we can change that to be back to the more defensive 4 three, 3 We probably don't have the um, people available to play it, like we used to, because obviously Ginny's not here, Henderson's unfit, and, and Naby's um, unavailable. Um, but yeah, two-man midfield, I forgot Arter exists, so he could potentially play, but I think you just got to roll with Fabinho, Thiago. I think, should we start with with Harvey Elliott? Because I think Klopp mentioned that bar, like eight of the starters were dreadful against Napoli and I would probably say it was more 10 because um, Alisson is probably the only one who came out with any uh, any uh, goodwill after that but I, I imagine he's meaning Elliot as well. now I really like Elliot but he is an issue in midfield because he is playing well himself but we can't press and defend anymore that side well, no, I, but this isn't just one person. When you can't press, this is not about one person not doing a yes, job. Yes, absolutely. yes, absolutely. So, I mean, if look, Elliot's still a kid. We've got to remember that. This is still a guy with yeah, like, not even 10 Premier League starts to his name. And so he's not going to be perfect off the ball. I mean, I saw a stat going around the other day that 
Uh, he's been dribbled past more times or higher percentage or something like that than any other yeah, player yeah, in the yeah. Premier League. Yes, well done, because he's trying to and nobody else is there behind him. It's it's a lot easier to dribble past someone who goes in full tilt, expecting someone to be backing them up so that this player cannot just go off to the side. And then there's nobody there. Well, of course, that's an easier thing to do. Obviously, he's not like an elite defensive um, individual himself yet and you wouldn't expect him to be that's not his game he's still learning being a number 8 as well he's still learning being a centre mid but tell you what I bet you about 6 players in our squad would have a higher percentage as well if they bothered their ass to make a tackle in the first place but they haven't mm. so they're not going to get that statistic against their name are they so let's ignore the little you know, number bites and all the rest of it at the moment it is very much about performance level and what job they're doing on and off the ball. And Elliot has done a really, really good job on the ball for most of the season. He's been our best midfielder, the closest outfield player consistently to his top level, in my opinion. Off the ball is a different matter because of all those things I've just said. He's still learning his trade. Mm -hmm. If you've got a fully functioning team, Harvey Elliott is like, he's star boy, isn't he? He's the one who is making the difference for us in games. He's the one who's taken us up another level, as we would say, that sort of thing. But when the team is Carry not on playing the well, stuff. yeah, exactly. So, but when you're not playing well, you can't carry a kid as well, who is still learning his game and who is still not quite there on terms of all the passing lanes and when to make the movements and when to be in, in sync with the rest of the team and all the rest of it. If nobody else is working with him, you can't, it's just not going to happen. And the only reason it's getting, sort of pointed out is because a number of goals have come down that side in terms of the build-up play. Yes, he's absolutely leaving Fabinho open and exposed, but it's also because the left centre midfielder is not coming across with him into that double pivot, which we were doing last season. And it's also because the right back is not in position behind him to back him up and close off those gaps as well. All of these things have a knock-on effect. So yeah, Elliot, off the ball, absolutely 100% agree probably I would take him out of the team at this moment but that's not because of Elliot it's because of the team because we do not have a base we do not have a, a position mm-hmm. uh, a position we do not have a shape off the ball we do not have any partnerships or combinations at the moment which block off spaces which track runners which do all the things that we're supposed to do it's not an Elliot problem it is a team shape problem and if it was kind of value in there it'd be the same if it was well when it has been Jordan Henderson in there it has been the same the only yeah. reason it's been Elliot every single game is because we haven't got any other players at the minute. But while everybody else is underperforming and not doing the roles, not doing the the, the, the group closing down that we should be doing, obviously, yeah, he's going to get exposed and he's going to leave Fabinho exposed and Fabinho is going to leave the centre-backs exposed. That's why we've been as rubbish as we have been. The whole premise of this Liverpool team is built on unity, is built on the system yeah. and the entire team and different groups within the team doing the same job at the same time. None of that is happening right now. Now I know I know pressing's more than just the midfield. Midfield's been the the what well the main issue in my opinion, but it's been one of multiple issues. We both I presume you presume as well. Tiago will walk back straight into the team, bar him being really unfit. That is obviously our best two midfielders. Yeah, 100%. Arta, I have no idea what he looked like against Napoli because my head was gone at that stage. Um, it can't it can't be Milner. It can't be Milner. So, do you expect him to change to a four-two-three-one? A four-two-four seems to be the most likely thing he changes to in game. Um, or do you think he may just rock? You you said you you'd probably take out Elliot yourself. Or do you think Klopp may just rock with uh, Thiago, Fabinho, and Elliot, and say that's probably our our first choice midfield till till January? 
I wouldn't be surprised if he started Elliot again because now we've obviously had the weekend off. It's not quite as relentless, and I, I expect that to an extent his team lineup is going to be dictated by who has performed well in training this week. And I'd be surprised if Elliot didn't perform well in training because he's one of the youngest, one of the most energetic, one of the ones who's technically been on his game at the start of the season, which is not something everyone else can say. So it might well be stick with the 4-3-3 and Elliot has done well enough this week to still be in the team again. That could be the case. Thiago, unless he like forgets his football boots, he plays and probably just borrow someone's shoes out of the crowd and he's still better than everybody else who's on the pitch anyway, to be honest. So I'd be stunned if it was not Thiago in the team. I I would, like I said before, for, for reasons of organisation and setting ourselves a platform, um, just having a bit of more defensive... Uh, resilience, let's say, and closing out spaces in midfield, I would play a double pivot. That's just what I would do for mm-hmm. this game, just to get ourselves back on you know, the ability to, to start linking play again, the ability to start not giving up 16 chances a game again, just all of the things which start with stop letting the opposition play through you goes to a double pivot. It's just for, for, mm-hmm. for spacing and organisation issues. It's going to make us a little bit um, less on the front foot, probably in build-up play, but considering I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly that—that's that, that's the answer here. I want isn't to survive. I don't care is the answer here because we're not anywhere near top gear, isn't it? So I do think that that I'd, would be. I would take a nil-nil right now. Clean and... sheet. Oh, absolutely, a clean sheet. Yeah, the most dull game. Absolutely, after the horror shows that we've seen over the last few weeks, everybody should be taking Miracle that. Stuff. Yeah. Miracle stuff. So we'll we'll play around the premise of, of a four two three. Obviously, if we think it'll be a four three three by Klopp, we can we can tinker that around. Um, let's start with the defence. Simicast at left back because we have no other left back. Um, Van Dijk will play because he's Van Dijk regardless of form. It has to be Matip. It just has to be. Um, Gomez had a very stinky game. Um, but. Does that mean Gomez can go to right back? Because Trent, Gomez had a bad game, mm. but dearie me, Trent had the best seat in the house, house and parked up quite a bit watching that game because he wasn't doing much fucking running. Yeah. Um, again, I, I wonder whether this is just going to come down to who has trained hardest in the week. Uh, if it was, so Gomez, yeah, look, when we, when we spoke right after the game and we were talking about the, the weekend game, which was still on at the time against Wolves, I said I would take and out of the uh, of the lineup and put Gomez across to right back after that performance level. Like both fullbacks, we didn't know Robertson was injured at the time either. I said it would change both fullbacks, so Simicas and Gomez, yeah. um, yeah. because there is nobody else. You can't play Milner fullback. Calvin is a hologram of at this point. So yeah, I would have moved Gomez across, and I said it would probably like show a little bit of faith from Klopp as well. Say like we know you had a bad game, Gomez, but it was not all down to you. There was lots of things going on in terms of letting people run at you all the time, as much as your individual uh, lack of control and clearing was not great. Let's you know, show a bit of faith here after summoning them off at half-time. But a week is quite a long time. A week of just training could bring many, many things. Um, I wouldn't now be surprised to see Trent start the game. Yeah, if he ever looks that unarsed again, I'm Jesus. I think Klopp might run on the pitch and fight him. Um, but yeah, it it wouldn't surprise me if it's Trent either. Um, but 
I think that's the only debatable position in in the back. Um, <clears throat> so if we're playing a, a, a four man attack, whether it's a two a, a two four or a three one, however the hell we set up, um, it'll definitely be Diaz on the left because that's his position. Where are we playing more? Because this new position of his holding hands with the assistant referee is not for me. <laughs> well, I don't think it's for Mo either, to be honest, but there we go. No. Um, I mean, you've got two options, haven't you? You play him as the nine, or you play him right-hand side and try to get him a bit more involved, uh, I think. Do you think he could be a 10 if we kind of just devoid him of defensive ability? Uh, not ability, um Responsibility. I think Salah yeah. could play any of the roles up front, any of those four mm-hmm. roles. If we're playing a two-three-one, I do. I think he's good enough with all of them. Are you going to get the best out of him? No. Just the same way as we're not getting the best out of him in the minute. Just the same as you wouldn't get the best out of him if you played him left and asked him to cross all the time on his on his left foot from mm-hmm. right. So yeah, he could do it. I don't think I would do it at this point. Um, I still think that either you play him as the nine and just try to get him any kind of half chance around the box or you play him on the right hand side with a, obviously a bit more involvement in the build up play I, I'm still inclined to keep him on the right at the moment but mm-hmm. where he is and where he picks up the ball that has to change now if, if, change, if we yeah. do play a double pivot that does change automatically that changes because it's a very different role playing uh, obviously with a number 8 who's running up the inside or dovetailing on the outside of you as it is to just a double pivot, and you're the one who has to, to play that wide role. It probably isn't going to get him much, much closer to the goal if he's playing right side of a four-two-three-one all the time, because then obviously that's also the space that the number 10 is effectively going to go into. Um, but I think, again, this is not about peak Liverpool. This is about getting back to a performance level, getting back to the work rate that we need, getting back to the intensity of build-up play, getting back to pressing in groups in the right spaces. So I think it's just keep people in the positions where they can be effective, even if it's not the absolute most effective. So I think that's Salah on the right for me. Yeah, I'd probably agree. I would like to see him as a 10 in some in some game, but it's probably not the right situation for for, for this. Or if we do play a, a 4-2-4, he'd probably be best as the second striker. Um but we'll stick with 4 2 3 one because I think that's more likely from the start, at least. Um, number 10, it, I suppose it has to be Bobby, unless we play Elliot there, but we've already mentioned taking him out. And if we were going to do that with Elliot, why wouldn't we have done it already, seeing as he was already playing in centre midfield? Um, but I'd guess it Bobby by default, although he's probably been the best performing apart from Diaz. Yeah, I, I think I would go with uh, Firmino as well. Um, I mean, it's not ideal, obviously, but he does give you the ability to drop back in and make an extra man in midfield uh, if, yeah. if that shape is facing a bit of a, obviously, counter-attacking or we, we are struggling to keep hold of the ball, that kind of thing, and we, the 4 2 3 one's not quite working. That that works out to drop Bobby back in. It would work with Elliot as well, but I don't see him playing the 10 role. Um, I think if if it's not Firmino, I would think it would be Carvalho just to be able to be that little bit of extra line-breaker yeah. Um, still going to have all the energy and all the rest of it that Elliot brings you, but with a bit more probably creativity, flair, and willingness to get into the box, I think, that we've seen so far as well, because that's much more what he's used to doing, um, whereas Elliot has been either a winger or now a central midfielder. So uh, Carvalho, mm-hmm. I think, is like a X factor. Like if the training has been really good in terms of team shape and 
defending in different areas of the pitch a bit better. Maybe you could make more of a case for Carvalho to be the starter as a someone who could be a bit of a line breaker, someone who could bring, bring a bit of unexpected magic into that area and really try and keep uh, Alvarez pinned back for them as well. Because he's he's a he's a difficult man to get past, to be honest, Alvarez. He, he, I do like the way that he plays that role. And if we use Firmino, let's say, we know that he's going to rove all over the pitch. He might drag Alvarez out of position as well. But how often is he going to run beyond and really take an extra either man out of the back line to give room to the number nine that we'll get to in a minute. But also how often is he going to, let's say not so much exploit the back line, because like I said, I think, you know, physically we're not going to necessarily outpace those back two, but movement here is going to be very, very important. Um, Firmino is much more likely to occupy, I think Alvarez as the, the deepest midfielder rather than, one of the other two as a, a second centre-back. So maybe if we're looking at getting Salah involved from the right-hand side, Firmino's probably the, the one you want in the team to begin with. Yeah, and they're probably the most... Uh, well, they are definitely the most established partnership as well in that front line, so it makes sense. Um, as we said, Diaz definitely on the left. Um, up top... Take your pick. You have to go with Darwin, surely, but I mean, Jota... Yeah. Jota's obviously been back a little while now, but he hasn't look fit at all. We have to start using Darwin, especially if we're going to play um, 4-2-3-1. I, I think that'd probably suit him better than what we've played so far. So I, it's got to be Darwin for me. You'd like to hope so, wouldn't you? I mean, it's a Champions League mm. game. We need a result. We need a performance. And we've got a new many, many millions of pounds striker. So, I mean, you've got one who is fit, but not in great integration in the team so far, or you've got one who's not fit and has not been in really good form, but knows the team a lot better. So Jota, we know we're going to get decent work rate out of him. We're going to get lots of movement behind the defense. He's got the speed. He can work the channels. Technically, he's not been very good for quite some time, even before his injury, to be honest. The end of last season was not really a very, very good period for Jota. Yeah, he did forget how to play football yeah. for a little while. So um, I guess we'll probably see both of them anyway at different points in the game, but I'd be more mm-hmm. inclined to start with Darwin and, like I said before, really test that young centre-back partnership, see if we can get maybe a few decent deliveries, cross-field passes from Trent or something like that, maybe even the crosses from Simigas running down very, very high upfield and try and get probably Darwin onto Durian Timber. Um, and maybe just try and get them under pressure a little bit early. And even if we have to go a bit more direct than we're used to and then play off the second balls with uh, Diaz and Firmino go, getting in and around um, Darwin, then maybe try and pick up a bit of uh, attacking impetus that way. It's not going to be necessarily the most pretty football that we've ever seen from Liverpool, but we're kind of in a point where we need to rebuild ourselves one one way, even if it's not the, the most eye-catching way at the minute. We'll be on that pretty shite. We had that last <laughs> season. <laughs> uh, uh, predictions then? I suppose that's the last thing. Um, I'm going to make two predictions, if that's okay. Yes, yeah, fine. If we have a massive, massive response, do one to us. If we play the same way as we did, or even you know, 60% of the badness that we did, one to them. Yeah, it's just a, it's a, but how much work can you do in six days and how big a change around? Because as we said, I think Klopp said it in his press conference as well, that, that Napoli game was just 
unredeemable in so many ways. Like, as we said, the Villa game, it was Adrian, so it doesn't count. Whereas this one, we had Alisson, so it does count. Um, it was just horrid. Um, so, yeah, let's see what we can do. But if he plays the exact same team, if James Milner plays, Jesus Christ, spec- he needs them gigs back. Um, and that is glasses for people who don't speak English. <laughs> or Eng- England English. Um yeah, and um, before we finish, I, I think you and Dave touched on the Chelsea sacking. I'm not sure Potter was confirmed by then, but we were obviously meant to play them at the weekend. A couple of mins on Potter getting his big break. Yeah, uh, we did speak about Potter, um, I think, and the whole process of what, what could happen next for Chelsea and all the rest of it. But I think, I mean, it's a good move for him. I think it's a good time for him to cash in on popularity and reputation going through the roof and all the rest of it. Um, I think Chelsea need to... And the, I think the squad suits him as well. Yeah, mo- mu- much of it, I think, does. I'm not sure everybody, but obviously, you know... No, no striker. You're know, not going to have a perfect <laughs> squad walking in for any manager, are you? Otherwise, the last one wouldn't have been sacked, would they? So uh, I, I think from Chelsea's perspective, they've really got to commit to it and give him time to learn and make mistakes and adjust to the fact that he is actually now at a club that expects to win every single game, and that will be a big adjustment for him as a manager uh, in terms of his... You know, targets the type of player he wants in terms of his in-game changes and substitutions. Lots and lots of things will change for for Graham Potter, and they have to accept that that will be a bit of an adaptation period for him over a few months. Um, I was due to go to Stamford Bridge actually, so you know, aside from anything else, that would have been a really good opportunity to see them up close very very early on. Um, and Liverpool, and God knows what that would have been like up close for the first time in a little bit, but. That's not now happening anyway, so uh, midweek and then straight onto the international break. It's better be a win, otherwise it's going to be an awfully long few weeks for Liverpool fans. Yeah, to be fair, it's been a really long six days and it's been flying by. So yeah, don't do that again, Liverpool, because albeit I've been bitching, the international break is like time doesn't move. It really is. Um, But anything to plug for you, Carl, before we go? Um... Nothing positive, so probably we'll say no, just in case. Cool. Just like this podcast, nothing positive. <laughs> uh, unless you're an Ajax fan. Uh, but we'll finish up there. Um, as I kind of alluded to at the start of the pod, I'm sure Carl and Dave will be back um, with other topics when, whilst there's no football, because um, the Chelsea game has been confirmed to be postponed. Um, so yeah, we'll I'm sure them two will be back with with various podcasts on some topics. Do send them in in the Discord chat as well to help out if you want. Um, But thank you, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.